the Todd Stansbury Podcast from RamblinWreck.com. This is the official podcast of Georgia Tech Athletic Director Todd Stansbury as he gives you an inside look at what's happening around Yellow Jacket Athletics. Now, alongside Tech Athletic Director Todd Stansbury, here's the voice of the Yellow Jackets, Andy Demetra. And welcome in. Glad you found us once again. We had to drop a surprise Toddcast on everybody this weekend, Todd. Yeah, no, let's, uh, I know there's been a lot of interest in kind of what we've been doing, and so I, it's a great time to put one out. Yeah, we, we appreciate everybody letting us be their soundtrack on their ride home from work this weekend, or better yet, their ride into McCamish. A couple of big matchups at 10th and Fowler this weekend. The men take on Louisville, 4 p.m. on Saturday. That game is sold out. And Sunday, 2 p.m., the women's team takes on number 12, Syracuse. So whether you're driving back home from work or driving into the flats, we appreciate you letting us uh, share time with you. And uh, while you support the Yellow Jackets, make sure you support the Toddcast as well. Like, listen, subscribe. Tell your friends. Hit the retweet button. Let's get the word out here as we talk about Georgia Tech athletics. And I know we'll talk about basketball a little later on. I know you'll be at McCamish this weekend. But let's start with football, and specifically Coach Collins now rounding out his staff. And as a former football letter winner here, had to make you feel really good that in assembling his first staff, four of his 10 assistant coaches, alums of Georgia Tech. That wasn't the only hook, though, in them coming on board. These are all guys who have carved out impressive coaching careers and now back at their alma mater. Like you, they just couldn't resist the allure of coming back to Georgia Tech. Yeah, I think uh, Coach Collins has been very, very strategic in the way that he's put his staff together, which has included um, uh, coaches that have played here, which, uh, of course, as, a, as an alum and, and knowing a couple of these guys as well as I do, is uh, it's definitely fun to have them back on board. When he, you interviewed with him, I guess when he interviewed with you, did he indicate that that was going to be part of his strategy in assembling a staff, that, hey, here are some guys that have Georgia Tech ties that I'd like to have as part of my staff? Yeah, we didn't really get too much into the specifics of who, but it was more uh, that his intention, knowing that he's so um, re- you know, recruiting-focused, that he wanted to have, uh, a, he was going to put a staff together that was able to uh, really um, help not only with familiarity with what he wants and his culture and um, kind of his priorities, but also uh, uh, a relationship with the institution, understanding of Georgia Tech, that kind of a background and the state of Georgia as well. So when he went out and started to put his staff together, it was really with the intention of making it a combination of uh, coaches that were familiar with him, that he had coached with before, uh, those with Georgia Tech ties, and then those with recruiting ties in um, in Georgia and then the greater Southeast. Sometimes you got to mix it up to maximize, and it seems like that's what Coach Collins has done with the staff. Uh, those four Georgia Tech alums, you probably know them by now, Nathan Burden, co-defensive coordinator. You got Deuce Deuce, running backs coach to Shard Choice, Marco Coleman, coaching the defensive ends and outside linebackers, and the assistant head coach, Brent Key. Whenever you can pry a coach from Alabama, I think you're a pretty good recruiter, not only of the student-athletes, but of your fellow coaches as well. Now, you have some pre-existing relationships with these coaches. 
Among them, Brent Key. You knew mm-hmm. him when he was working on the staff at UCF. What can you tell us about your relationship with Brent? Well, of course, whenever you get um, two tech grads uh, together uh, in a foreign land, we tip- we typically uh, gravitate towards one of another. So I uh, really enjoyed working with uh, Brent when we were down at UCF. And, of course, we had some... Uh, great success. Uh, George O'Leary really um, established, uh, I think, really established a program that we're all seeing um, the fruits of some of that um, foundation that was built while Brent was there now and what UCF has been able to continue to do. But um, yeah, I spent quite a bit of time with Brent and of course, uh, mused at times about both of our uh, desires to at some point end up back uh, on the flats and so forth to actually happen and uh, is is a little surreal and then we had a great reunion um, I was in his office uh, first thing on his first day and um, and uh, it was uh, it was it was a fun reunion, a lot of laughs and just um, a lot of shaking of the head, saying, "Can you believe that this is actually happening?" I'm sure there was a similar reaction when Coach Collins went out and got Marco Coleman from the Oakland Raiders. You were his academic advisor at Georgia Tech. <laughs> yes, I was. And it must have been a good academic advisor because he became a financial advisor after his pro career. Yeah, no, Marco just was a uh, one of those phenomenal. Uh, young men that came to our program and I enjoyed working with him uh, obviously as a as a student athlete but then we maintained our relationship as adults and um, ironically his daughter came to UCF uh, to go to school Mm. so that uh, kind of um, uh, reunited us uh, and he came to UCF games and sat in my suite and um, has always been uh, one of my favorites so that when Jeff told me he was bringing Marco on board I couldn't have been happier. You got Twitter talking this past week <laughs> with that picture you posted of you and Marco now where, where I was trying to figure out where that was was that the Aloha Bowl maybe was that Aloha Stadium? Yep that was the Aloha Bowl uh, 91 the 91 Aloha Bowl. Of course you know what people were talking about most in that <laughs> yeah. photo though. Uh, I, I I had an idea there might be a little buzz from that photo. You know, look, I, I think that's quite brave of you, knowing that you know not all athletic directors used to have mullets, let alone be proud of what they wore. That was quite some lettuce. But I, like I tweeted, if anybody doubted you were Canadian before, <laughs> just show them that picture. Yeah, in, in fact, um, it's funny. I was um, on the radio uh, this week, and they they um, the the hosts. Um, Chuck and Chernoff thought initially that the um, that it was photoshopped. Really, and uh, said no. That's the way that we were rolling back then, and in Canada, it's kind of the norm. So I never really, at the time, thought it was that. Um, you know, it would be it would become such a uh, a talking point uh, later on <laughs> in my career. Well, there you go. And obviously, it didn't inhibit you from occupying the corner office here. So <laughs> I'm sure you serve as some inspiration to everybody who might have had a, the mullet back in the day. Well, the other thing about that picture is because I remember specifically, um, uh, I knew um, that that would be Marco's last game mm-hmm. uh, uh, at Georgia Tech, even though he was a junior. Um, it was pretty apparent that... Uh, 
he was going to be a first round draft choice. And so um, I wanted to make sure that we had worked so closely together that I didn't miss that opportunity. And who would have thought that here we are, what, you know, uh, almost 20 years later and being reunited mm-hmm. in the way that we are. So it's it was pretty special to have uh, Marco um, back on the flats. And I know he's already on the road recruiting and representing the Institute as only he can. It's not just the on-field coaches, but it's the support staff as far as program building under Jeff Collins. The support staff is is also complete. Now, are, are there more support staff members here with Coach Collins than there had been previously? Yeah, I think um, we're, we, we, we have uh, three more positions but those were already uh, pretty much established. When I got here, um, one of my first um, priorities was to beef up the football staff to a level that I thought was necessary to allow them to be um, uh, successful. And so many people probably remember uh, a year ago at this time, we did a mini campaign so that we could start to uh, add more staff um, that weren't currently in the budget. So um, we had, um, so while it's a bigger staff, that had been, that's been the in- intention all along. And um, those, those positions were just open because uh, we were in the, we were actually creating them uh, throughout the fall. And, um, and uh, uh, Jeff obviously um, has um, taken full advantage and, and gotten some great people in. And, and the other thing is that um, when you look at Georgia Tech alums, um, of course, uh, Kevin Cohn and, and Tevin Washington were um, on the administrative staff with Paul, and now we've also added Will Glover. So we've got quite a Georgia Tech um, uh, contingent on this new staff. That's got to be important not only for the kids who are already here but the ones who are considering Georgia Tech they look around the football offices and they see so many Georgia Tech alums that have gone on to success professionally and athletically and and they want to follow in those footsteps they want to walk in their shoes of what more powerful example than somebody here in the building who's done it and lived it well and I think too everybody knows that the way that um our competition recruits against us is uh, they try to say that it's they talk about the the either the academic curriculum or um, being able to get to the pros and so having a staff of um, of football coaches and and football administrators that have all walked in those shoes were incredibly successful here as as football players. Um, have been able to go on to the pros um, and have successful professional careers or gone in into coaching and be, been successful at coaching uh, in the obviously in the in the case of Marco he has an incredible NFL career and then becomes a financial planner a wealth manager and I think that just goes to the the kind of the Georgia Tech differentiator that here we're provide we are um, developing young men uh, not only to go to the NFL, which they could, which they do, but then for careers afterwards. And um, in the case of Kevin Cohn, uh, graduate with a degree in mechanical engineering, uh, played four or five years in the NFL, and then went into mechanical engineering and decided, no what, as passion as football. Uh, so I mean, great examples of uh, our graduates. Um, uh, 
not only en- uh, end up in the NFL, uh, but they end up in football not because it's the only thing they can do. It's because it's what they want to do. And I think that's one of the things that uh, makes what we do um, extremely valuable uh, to these young men. And that's something that we want to make sure as we're recruiting them that, hey, look around. Look what these guys have been able to do while they're here and then what they've done beyond Georgia Tech. A message that I'm sure Jeff Collins is conveying as we speak on the recruiting trail. Had to like that when the dead period ended at 12.01, they were already flashing pictures, he and his staff, at the doors of uh, prospective recruits. I'm pretty sure those were in advance. Like They didn't just knock on doors (laughs) by surprise, but that had to leave an impression on you, I'm sure, as an athletic director, that this is a guy and a staff that uh, wants to get after it on the recruiting trail. I'd never heard of Midnight Madness for football That's before. That's pretty good. So, uh, yeah, it was um, not only uh, uh, obviously getting a, getting a running start on recruiting, uh, but also uh, there was it, it created quite the buzz as well. But, um, yeah, mid- football, Midnight Madness. Pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, he might be onto something. Might be a trendsetter. Um, recruiting is the lifeblood for any athletic program, certainly football. Through the interview process, you spend any time around Jeff Collins. He's very evangelical about recruiting, and you know that there are some built-in barriers here at Georgia Tech when it comes to recruiting, just like there are obstacles at every school. What sold you on Jeff that he could recruit powerfully and consistently and with excellence at Georgia Tech? He'd done it before. Um, and so here you got a guy passionate about recruiting, is obviously known as a recruiter, um, but then has a track record of actually recruiting to Georgia Tech. And so, um, you know, it's my belief that uh, while there's some things that we can't do that others can do, there are things that we can do that they can't do. And so having somebody that recognizes the assets um, that Georgia Tech has and how do we play to our strengths was incredibly important to me. And so um, I know it's almost become, uh, uh, you know, it's uh, the legend of how Jeff Collins even got into recruiting. It's, uh, you know, his initial... Um, recruiting of uh, of George O'Leary to allow him to recruit, and 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 George pulling him in the office after being badgered by him for a while and saying, um, you know, and, and and points to the six states that Georgia Tech at that time were primary primarily recruiting, and he said, you, and he goes, well, these are the six states that we recruit from. You see those forty four? You're in charge of those. And Jeff going out and, and um, recruiting, I think at that time it was like you know five of the twenty players um, that uh, we signed that year, and that was him as a GA. Uh, so that, and then coming back under Chan and and being part of um, probably one of the greatest um, classes we ever have ever had in history, and and that was um, that '07 class with. Derek Morgan and Morgan Burnett and Josh Nesbitt and I think Jonathan Dwyer was in there. Um, So here's a guy that has not only uh, a reputation and a track record at places like Florida, um, but 
has been able to do it at Georgia Tech and made a, a significant impact here uh, in a relatively short period of time, both as a GA and then as a recruiting coordinator. Speaking of recruiting, uh, Jeff is out of town. He's, in fact, out of the country this week. He's recruiting in Europe, and in many ways that's become a new frontier of college football recruiting. Was that something that in the interview process he had talked about as something that it, he, he wanted to pursue here at Tech? Yeah, we did talk about that. And, and of course, um, we have been recruiting internationally. And, and it's kind of the norm in almost every other sport but football, but is becoming uh, uh, more and more uh, popular. And it's probably just the, 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 I guess, NFL Europe is finally bearing fruit um, in in uh, in creating uh, Division One talent, and uh, so yeah, we talked about uh, going international, and of course, um, I'm an international recruit. I was going to say this has to make you feel good <laughs> as an international recruit yourself. Yeah, it was it it was uh, it, it was a two hour flight for for. Um, uh, at that time, Coach Blair to come to Toronto yeah. as opposed to a six-hour flight to go to Europe. You had to just cross a lake, not an ocean. <laughs> That's exactly yeah. right. Well, as uh, the other big news this week was the 2019 schedule was released. You knew who you were playing. You knew where you were playing. You just didn't know when you'd be playing them. Opening up on Thursday night, Clemson, Georgia Tech, baptizing ACC Network together. You also have to face the defending national champions. What did Coach Collins say to you when it was announced that uh, the opener would be at Clemson? Well, if anybody came to our, um, uh, uh, and we're in our football lobby that day, I think it said 222 days till. So uh, he jumped on it right away. Uh, and uh, obviously the opportunity to play the, the defending national champions uh, in the first game on the ACC network. Uh, and and I think for for Georgia Tech fans to realize that that game was targeted probably two years ago um, by um, the the ACC network and the um, uh, and the conference as the game that they wanted to start um, the network with. So uh, hard to believe it's actually here. Um, but uh, it's pretty exciting, great opportunity for us, and uh, we know one thing, uh, everybody in the country will be watching that game. Right about that. It's kind of interesting how he comes from Temple, and through the first four weeks of the season, it'll feel like he's still in the American Athletic because he got USF as the home opener the following Saturday, and then at Temple. I wonder what the storyline will be for that one at uh, September 28th. Uh, your visceral impressions, though, when the overall schedule was released? You know, I mean, I, I think that, uh, no, we're always going to have a good schedule. Um, you know, it's uh, the way the ACC is now uh, and the way that our schedule lines up. Uh, I know that we're always going to have a home schedule. It's just kind of when. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so excited about it. A lot of opportunity in there. And um, I think for our fans... It's going to be a pretty fun year. Um, I just can't imagine what's going to happen when, um, you know, we uh, 
when 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 we uh, line up uh, in that first game uh, against U- USF on the seventh, it's I think it's going to be a pretty in- intense environment. Yeah, I think people want to definitely see for themselves the start of the Jeff Collins era. Not to mention exact some revenge on the Bulls from last year. Interesting quirk as well, and this is from Mike Flynn. Four home games in November, first time since 1979. The Jackets have played four games at Bobby Dodd in the month of November. The other thing that might have stood out to Georgia Tech fans when they compared and contrasted schedules, no ACC team has a bye the week before they play Georgia Tech. Prayers and wishes have now been answered. <laughs> How about that? But uh, you were part of the lobbying effort, though, to kind of change the scheduling legislation so that one team wouldn't consistently and chronically face one ACC opponent after another coming off a bye. Yeah, and of course, that would, that was something that um, you know Paul had uh, uh, brought to my attention, that there just seemed to be something um, uh, up with the fact that uh, so many teams seemed to be getting buys in front of and before they had to play us. And and so we took a deeper dive because I knew that there was no intention for that to happen. And, um, and, and it kind of turned out when we looked into it um, that a lot of it had to do with, uh, with Thursday night games. And that kind of set in the tone because both teams, so those teams that played a lot of Thursday night games would end up in a situation where um, they would go up against teams with multiple buys. Um, and so uh, that was once we were able to figure out why, because we weren't the only ones. It was happening to teams that um, typically play a lot of Thursday night games like Virginia Tech and Florida State, Clemson and ourselves. And um, uh, once that, we, um, we uh, sponsored a... Um, a, uh, a a new scheduling parameter um, of not allowing multiple buys against one opponent, and um, it was uh, unanimously adopted by um, by the AD. So, I think a great example of um, uh, of when while we can't necessarily and don't necessarily um, lobby against specific opponents or uh, when we want to play and those types of things uh, we are able to influence kind of the scheduling parameters and mm-hmm. and, um, and and I think that is a great example of us being able to do that just kind of change the legislation that's on the books yeah uh, how, how much input? or influence do ADs have with the networks, with the conference office when it comes to the shaping of the schedule? That's something that I think fans are always curious about is how much lobbying, politicking, maneuvering goes on behind the scenes when it comes to the formulation of the schedule. Yeah, obviously a lot of moving parts. And so really the the what we do as the ADs is we, we um, kind of set the parameters and then we input then the computers do the biz, the, the job because um, uh, we're and and we will we obviously will lobby for uh, certain things. Um, uh, so you can make requests. We'll make requests now. Whether we get what we want or not, it's another story. Um, sometimes um, we we like game time on homecoming. You know, we would rather play our homecoming games late afternoon um, 
Uh, and a year ago, guess what? We we were able to get a, a, a I think it was a three thirty start this year. Not we weren't, and it really comes down to TV and what they want and what their lineup looks like and all those kinds of things. So we can put in requests. Um, and sometimes when they can accommodate us, they will. Um, but it's definitely not going to be the driving force of um, how the schedule's built. So all ADs, they make requests. Like, for example, we don't want to have a home game during our fall break because we want to make sure our students are on campus. Like, that's, that's a request that would be well-received by a conference. Exactly. And if they can make that happen and it works, and it works then it will work. If not then there will be times when um, they won't be able to accommodate us. But we, we do um, let the conference and our TV partners know what our priorities are and kind of what it is that we want and why. Um, and uh, so they're aware of it, and they, they, they will take uh, some of that into consideration, but it's not where you can just lobby something and um, – the 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 uh, louder you scream, um, that's going to have much influence. But you can't make a request that's related to an opponent. Oh, we want to face this team after a bye. No. Okay. No. That's that's yep. off the books. Okay. Yep. There you go. Well, unfortunately, we just uh, we spoiled a lot of people's conspiracy theories when it comes <laughs> to conference football scheduling. Looking ahead with uh, the coach Collins here, season ticket sales opening soon for football. Yeah, and um, we're having a. Uh, there's, uh, we've right out of the right out of the gate, we had we had started to receive um, a lot of requests. Uh, deposits were coming in and have been coming in, so we're expecting to have a. Um, we're we're going to have a, I believe, a, a great year as far as uh, ticket sales are concerned. And season ticket sales open on January twenty eighth. And uh, I understand that, that the cost of a season ticket is going down this year, even though there's one more home game. Yeah, it's um, we, uh, you know, every year we kind of look at um, where we're at and and this year and we're always trying to do the best we can in balancing what we need to do revenue revenue wise and provide the best value for our, our fans. So um, this year, uh, with seven games, there's actually going to be a, a reduction in price. And, and so I, I think um, if you look at our schedule and you look at the, the price of a season ticket, it's a great value. We know that Coach Collins is an idea man. He's an energy man. Has that uh, led to any discussions on adjusting the game day experience uh, for 2019? Or are we still a little ways away from that? No, I think he's um, he br- he brings uh, a different experience, a different perspective, and so um, uh, he's already walked the stadium uh, with our with our events and operations folks, and just identified things that he thinks would benefit the fans and what he'd like to see. So it's great to have just another. Um, um, another perspective and and some other ideas at the table. Um, we are constantly uh, looking at how do we make our game day experience better, and so um, it's one of our priorities. Uh, we know we're competing against ourselves on TV, 
And so it's something that we've got to be extremely deliberate with in trying to create an, uh, uh, an environment in Bobby Dodd that cannot be duplicated um, on your sofa at home. I know Coach Collins wants to, to have that energy mashed in the stands, and we look forward to seeing what's uh, to come in 2019. From a, a broader perspective, Todd, the, the energy and the buzz surrounding Coach Collins, how aggressive he is on social media, how fun is that for you to, to witness as an AD? The fans are really latching on to this energy that Coach Collins is bringing. It's awesome because it amplifies uh, it, it, it amplifies exponentially um, what we're talking about when it ta- when we talk about brand, what our differentiators are, what makes Georgia Tech special, and so to have um, uh, Coach Collins out there and and as aggressive as he is in social media um, just provides. Uh, uh, you know, it just turns up the volume. And um, anywhere that I go in Atlanta, I have people coming up to me, and they're not necessarily Georgia Tech fans. They're fans of other institutions um, that we compete against, both uh, on the field and, and, and for recruits. And to hear them uh, talk about them hearing the message and and hearing the volume being turned up is extremely gratifying because um, I know that uh, uh, that what Jeff Jeff and his staff are doing is definitely uh, being heard out there. Already resonating. Can't wait to see what the next few months have in store. Let's end with basketball. As we noted earlier on the Toddcast, men's basketball taken on Louisville Saturday, 4 p.m. It's another sellout of McCamish Pavilion. The women take on number 12 Syracuse uh, on Sunday. You no, know, a tough loss to Clemson at Little John Coliseum for both the men and women this week. But from the men's standpoint, year three of Josh Pastner, uh, please still with the trajectory and the culture that, oh, yeah. that, with, with the program? Most definitely. I think um, going up to Syracuse and beating them was a huge win. And then you look back and, you know, they leave, uh, you know, they get beat by us by 14 at their place and then they go and beat Duke. Um, so, I mean, that's a, that's a significant win. Um the loss at home against Virginia Tech that we went, we, we dug ourselves out of an early hole. We play incredible defense and we put ourselves in a position to win that game. Um, obviously, Clemson was a tough loss, uh, but we're, you know, we're young. We're, we're still trying to figure out how to play in the ACC, but I think you're, you're seeing just some. You know, the, uh, some of these young guys um, are really starting to gel. And when they play well, they're, 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 they're something to be reckoned with, especially on the defense where I think, at, um, I think, maybe, I, I think before Clemson, um, only Wake Forest had, uh, had kind of hit their um, season average and we had held everybody else to below their season average. So um, it's exciting. Um, you know, I don't want to f- sound like a broken record, but the loss of a first-round draft choice when you don't expect it is going to have an impact. And, uh, well, we got to get over it, and that's just the nature of it. And guess what? At Georgia Tech, um, the plan is that we're going to start pumping out a lot of uh, first-round draft choices. That'll help us in recruiting to know that we're developing those kind of players that can go on. But 
it is a double-edged sword. And in the case of losing Josh Akogi, um, when we didn't think we didn't know we were going to lose him, I think definitely um, uh, made Josh um, Pastner have to figure out: okay, how am I going to adapt? Um, I, I think everybody can see that that Banks is going to be something. Um, he is really. Uh, when you can see him starting to really gel out there, and I, I see him becoming really a dominant force um, uh, in the ACC. I know the uh, the fans appreciate the way this team competes. It's reflected in the sellouts. Look forward to another one on Saturday. I always enjoy the creativity of the students when they sit behind us uh, at a radio broadcast location. <laughs> It's always good for a laugh or two over the course of a game. And then women's basketball, you know, two and three right now in the ACC. But gee whiz, they've already faced number one Notre Dame, already have faced number two Louisville. So it's been a top-heavy start to their conference schedule. And whenever you have two McDonald's All-Americans doing big things as freshmen, you know the future is bright. Yeah, I think uh, the two Elizabeths are um, they're special. And uh, between the two of them, they've got five ACC Rookie of the Week awards. Um, they each have had 17 rebound games in the ACC. Yeah, no, they're they're special. And uh, so anyways, uh, you, you can see that that team is on the cusp. Of course, uh, tough loss at Clemson, but Clemson right now is pretty much the surprise of the ACC. Um, they're 4-1 in conference, and... Um, uh, beat a couple of ranked teams prior to playing us, so they're they're uh, much improved. And and in the ACC, it's tough to to win on the road, and that's what you got to do. You got to guard your home and steal a couple on the road. And um, I think both for the men and women, that's true. Um, but uh, women, really, really exciting. Uh, and then just the way that the schedule lines up that, you know, they right out of the gate got to play number one, Notre Dame and number two, Louisville. That's a uh, that's a tough road. Yeah. Um, so but uh, I, I, I feel like uh, they're still really well positioned to, to make a run at the NCAA tournament. And now they've got number 12 Syracuse coming to town on Sunday. However, the Orange last time they played. Georgia Tech and McCamish, they lost, and they were also ranked in that game as well. Uh, let's end with an AI 2020 update. Where do we stand on that? Yeah, of course, everybody remembers uh, $125 million goal. We're at $53 million um, and nearing um, our fundraising goals for both um, uh, baseball and, and basketball locker room. Um, so uh, things are progressing well. Uh, but, of course, pedal to the metal. We got a lot to do, a um, lot of energy, uh, but uh, you know the uh, getting to a point where we can um, start uh, de- uh, designing um, the new home of Georgia Tech Athletics, which will be the um, um, the uh, building that we now reside in, is 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 critical to all of us. Um, the theme of AI twenty twenty is uh, recruiting, building a better athlete once we have them which we believe will equate to winning. And um, as I've said before, uh, at Georgia Tech, we want our recruits and our student athletes um, to know that they're at a different place and we're going to maximize innovation and use science and technology. And and so the idea with um, uh, this building that we will um, be designing, it's going to be state-of-the-art and look more like Google than um, some of our competition. 
Uh, when the new edge is built, can we have a picture in the lobby of you and Marco from 1991? <laughs> yeah, well, it'll be touchscreen. That's true. Oh, the, you can see the, the, the locks there in high definition, high pixelation. Yeah, yeah. We there could we probably go. even show a video clip of Marco just crushing people in uh We might have in that Aloha technology Bowl. by that point. In fact, that, was, uh, that game was against Stanford, and... Um, they were a tough team, and that was a, that was a, that was a battle. Mm-hmm. And now we say to Marco, aloha, as in welcome back. Exactly. All right, this is the Toddcast, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. Like, listen, subscribe. Uh, leave us a comment. Tell your friends about it. Hit the retweet button. Let's make sure we continue to grow as we uh, wrap up Toddcast number 17. Appreciate it, Todd. We'll see you around. Thanks. He's the athletic director, Todd Stansberry. I'm Andy Demetra. We'll talk to you next time, everybody. The Todd Stansbury Podcast is a presentation of RamblinWreck.com. Go Jackets!